Hey everyone, I'm Alexis Zotos with KMOV, and you are listening to the Meet St. Louis podcast, where we introduce you to the chefs, brewers, and small business owners making our city an incredible place to live. You know, late at night, sometimes there is nothing better than street food. And for Steve Ewing, he noticed a void in the St. Louis food scene. Steve is the front man for The Urge, a St. Louis-based band that gained nationwide popularity back in the mid-90s. He's still serving up alt-rock music on stage, but during the day, he's serving up the quintessential street food at Steve's Hot Dogs. He opened up the first storefront in the Hill neighborhood and then a second location in Tower Grove East in the city. And inside, you'll find gourmet hot dog creations and quite a bit of Star Wars memorabilia. We sat down with Steve to talk about hot dogs, why he still loves touring and the fans, and where you can find some late night eats. So let's meet Steve. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why hot dogs? Hot dogs were, <laughs> well, at the time, um, I was still performing a lot. I'm still performing a lot, but we were, Adam and I were doing about 200 shows a year as the Steve Ewing duo or the Steve Ewing band. Um, and so I said, well, I'm thinking about doing like something food related. I mean, we have all these people at our shows. I think it'd be cool to feed them, you know, afterwards because mm-hmm. we would leave the show and there'd be like tons of people out in the street with nothing to eat. Right. So why are nobody, why is no one feeding these people? So... Um, I just kept kind of floating the idea around to people just to see what they thought about mm-hmm. it. And then, uh, so I pulled the trigger. I bought one of those hot dog carts. Yeah. And then ran it around a little bit and then figured out that it was actually better to run it at lunchtime. Okay. You could actually make more money at lunch. And you wouldn't get robbed and all kinds <laughs> of other stuff. That's an important uh, thing the, to yes, think about. Yeah. So, uh, so I started doing lunch with that. Uh, where pretty, did you first set up when you were starting? We were to do down lunch? by Procter and Gamble by the soap factory. Yeah. Um, so most of my business was uh, over the road truckers and factory workers, which mm-hmm. was real solid. Um, then we got a contract over at Scott Air Force Base. Um, got us about a year and a half, and then we opened the shop. But we got into hot, I got into hot dogs because it was it was kind of like let me get my foot in the door because mm-hmm. you hadn't done anything in food before. Mm-mm. Yep. So I'm like, I don't come from a food background. So let me get my foot in the door. Um, I love the street food culture, you know, so I think this is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were just talking before we started uh, about you were in L.A. And, I mean, hot dog stands in L.A. are all over the place, you know, late night, all yep. the time. And there was something really kind of missing here in St. Louis. It was. It was missing um, for a while. And that's why I was like, let's do this. And so, in fact, we started looking at putting – Food, mobile food um, in St. Charles, like along the main street there, because mm-hmm. it was nothing. And uh, they didn't even at the time have a law or provision even on the books for it. Interesting. Yeah, so it was something that they hadn't even, no one even considered doing at the time. So we're like, okay, I think we got an opening here. Yeah. And so we just kind of ran with it. What were those first couple of months like? I mean, where was that learning curve for you? Uh, it was probably longer than a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> like six months just learning how to like how to get food how to keep it fresh how to keep the food safe you know how to actually get the food to the customer at a speedy you know in a, in a speedy kind of way 
um, really watching your back end. So it was like food costs and things like that. Sure. Um, so it was a nice way to kind of start learning all those little things. Mm-hmm. And so when you first started, were you just doing real traditional? Um, how did, how was it when you first started? We were doing dirty water dogs. So it was like dogs on the street are boiled, mm-hmm. um, which are great. Um, and that's how we were running. We were running dirty water dogs. I was, you know, using like commercial buns and just kind of Chicago style toppings is mm-hmm. what, I, what kind of we started on the street. And I wanted to take it to the next level uh, and started sm- and wanted to do smoking and grilling and using better bread and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Because I'm looking at right behind you at your menu and obviously it's way more exciting toppings and way right. more exciting. How did that develop over the years? Well, we came up with six hot dogs that were like, okay, we'll take these ingredients, things that we already have, play with them a little bit, and start making our own sauces. And then about, I would say probably maybe a few months into being open, we started getting some great ideas from customers. Oh, okay. So we started, we didn't, we didn't shut any idea down from a customer. <laughs> we took them all. And we tried. Do you them remember out. like some of those initial very first ideas? Two two of them that are mainstays on three of them that are mainstays on the menu are the uh, Gorilla Mac and Cheese Dog, which is our most popular one. Wow. Was uh, was someone was like, yeah, I used to get mac and cheese, or they should cut up hot dogs in my mac and cheese and blah blah blah. Huh. And I'm like, yeah, we used to do that too. So we put the mac on the dog, added the bacon and the other stuff, whatever, and that, and then there was the. Um, we did a contest where the fans would come up with a recipe, mm-hmm. and the Stormtrooper one, which is Alfredo, uh, oh. yeah, the Rotini Alfredo, <laughs> is so we're like, well, let's try it and see what happens. It's great. And the Backyard Barbecue Dog is the one with the potato salad and the beans and the bacon and the barbecue sauce. And there was, once again, another customer was just in. Just put it all in one thing. Yeah, we, you know, at picnics, <laughs> we just throw all this stuff together. I'm like... Let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so we took a lot of ideas from folks, a lot of other cooks. I mean, we just took we took every idea. Was there any really crazy one that didn't work? Mm, everyone keeps trying to get us to do like a Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> dog, and we tried a million ways. It tastes good, but we can't get it to have that. It doesn't look right. You know, okay. Like, if you put the stuffing and everything all together, it's just, for some reason, you can't get it to look right. This doesn't work. But um, it tastes great. Tastes awesome. <laughs> well, Thanksgiving is just <laughs> it's, delicious. It's so, you Thanksgiving. Know. <laughs> it's hard to go wrong there. <laughs> so you started taking a lot of fan ideas, and so were you? Was that though when you opened up the, the shop? The shop on the hill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So why the hill? That was your first location. Well, I've been looking around for locations, and um, I don't know why I was down in the area, but I drove past a little shop. It was perfect. And then I didn't think much of it, and then I ran into the, the girl who was running the shop at the time mm-hmm. at one of my shows, and she's like, I heard you want to get in the business, and she's like, I'm looking to get out. Oh, wow. So um, I have this great shop, and she, I'm like, oh, I love that shop. <laughs> and then so I took over her lease. It was perfect. It's like serendipitous, I bought, yeah. I bought the equipment that was in it. I took over the lease, and we got the shop open in 18 days. 
So Whoa. basically, yeah. So Joe and I basically <laughs> did construction and everything. Like we did it all in 18 days. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, we got it open. We needed to pay the bills, so let's <laughs> just get the shop open. And what was the the reception like when you guys first opened? It was pretty cool. We had a big old grand opening. It was great, um, and a lot of people were just curious. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is this? You know, so the, the hot dog joint on the hill. So people started coming through. Yeah, because did people come in thinking, like, it was going to be some, like, Italian version of it? I mean, were people... There's some people in the neighborhood who really thought, oh, he's maybe he's going to do just Sazita and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, a lot of just friends and fans of the band just kind of just were curious, mm-hmm. like, what's going on or whatever. So it took us, it took us a minute to get some of the recipes right. Mm-hmm. And we went through a few different types of bread before we got that right. That took that took probably six months before we got the bread right. How important was that for you to get it right? I mean, because I think a lot of times, you know, people could just be like, "Yeah, it's a hot dog bun," but no, the bread is like everything to me. The bread's the whole deal, mm-hmm. not the whole deal, but it's a huge <laughs> part of it. So I'm like, "Well, we're on the hill. There's tons of bakeries down here, so let's just start kind of just." trying stuff out until we get it right. And mm-hmm. then Vitaly is, was across, is across the street. Pete came over and said, hey, why don't I just make you a bun wow. uh, for your dog? I'll, I'll, I'll put together a few different ideas for you and you see how it goes. And so uh, we got this kind of crispy on the outside, doughy on the inside roll that, we, that he made for us. It works out just great. How did that feel to be approached by obviously a legendary hill business like that you know welcoming you into the neighborhood it was pretty cool that i mean i think he was maybe standoffish at first because they didn't want to just like say hey i got you know i got the best bread yeah um (laughs) but then eventually he just kind of you know he's like we make great bread you know we've been around for a long time i think we can make something really good for you and once again i just kept my mind open to everything i'm like Yes, let's try it out. Mm-hmm. Let's please, let's try it out. You know. So, <laughs> um, do you still get a lot of people that come in because of the band? I mean, oh, is yeah. that still a big draw for people? It is. So, especially like anytime there's an urge concert, you know, within a week or two of that show, mm-hmm. people come into town, or people are kind of just they start getting kind of nostalgic, I guess, whatever, and come through and. So, yeah, it, it definitely, especially helped getting the shop open, no doubt. Yeah, I bet. And so, walk me, I would love to talk a little bit about The Urge. So, walk me back to the beginning of all that. Urge? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 1987. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was still in high school. I knew the other guys in the band. And you're from here originally, right? Yep. So, we all went to school at Webster Groves. And okay. so, I knew the other guys. They were older than I was. Uh, I was kind of classically trained as a vocalist and so i'm like well i wouldn't want to be in a rock band though hmm. and they where were what had been your initial thought when you that you were tra- when you were trained i mean what was your initial thought you would do with that being a rock band to, oh you did want to be yeah, a rock oh, yeah. oh okay <laughs> oh, I you were saying you were classically trained so you but didn't I, I had <laughs> i mean i had this kind of classical training but i wanted to be in a rock band that so, was well yeah i mean you're a teenage boy isn't that what yes. you know it's like rock band you know sports player yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I met the guys uh, in school. I used to walk by the rehearsal because they were practicing. Uh, I don't think they were even called the Urge at the time. It might have been something else. But I'd hear them practicing. So finally, I, I you know hooked up, and we started uh, doing shows maybe like a year later. Mm-hmm. 
start playing VFW halls and parties, basement parties, and anything we could do. <laughs> and um, then we got kind of serious about it. Um, two of the guys were in college still. One was at KU, so mm-hmm. we could only play when he came back. Okay. And then when he got out of school, then we got serious about it. And so um, we just started playing every club we could in the area, and then we bought a van, and we started touring. What and was that like? That was awesome, <laughs> especially when you don't really know what the hell you're doing or whatever. So um, it's just like being on vacation. So it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. During that time, were you guys thinking, like, this this is going to be something, this could be something we could do for a long time? Or were you like, hey, let's just try it out for a couple of years? In my mind, it was, I mean, I had already made up my mind. This is what I was going to do. Okay. I don't know how everyone else was thinking, but <laughs> so that's why I was like, let's do this. You know, and so when we got we got some great help from some great bands, 311 was a big one for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both kind of simmering up and kind of kindred spirits, and like they were in a van, we were in a van, and they were, they had a huge, massive tour schedule, mm-hmm. and they would just take bands that they were friends with out. And we had a really good following through the Midwest, so when they'd come through, it would help ticket sales. You know, so sure. we just stayed out on the road with them for gosh a year one time. And uh, that really helped build things up for us. What was the hardest thing about being out on the road? Uh, I mean, to me, it wasn't. Or was there nothing hard? To me, it never (laughs) felt like it was hard. Okay. Eventually, you would get physically tired, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's, you know, when it got, we started touring for, you know, months at a time, then you would just get tired. Yeah. You get worn out. But I loved being on the road. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, are you, I mean, you guys are still performing. You guys yeah. still do shows. How much do you travel, though, nowadays? Just a little bit. So last year, I think we did five road dates. So nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. But we're still doing some some of the major markets that did well for us. Um, we'll go back into those cities, like with Chicago, Kansas City, Memphis. I don't know, a few others, whatever. We'll go into you guys those. got to be- got back together when? Technically 2011. Technically 2011. Yeah. Okay. So it had been about 10 years. We stopped playing music for like 10 years together. And then the drummer. Did you miss it? I was still playing. You were so, oh, that's right, so yeah. Everyone, a lot of us were still playing just in different bands. That's right, okay. Um, I was playing a lot. Um, and I never stopped touring. So when we, we put the last major album out in 2000, toured for about a year on that. Mm-hmm. And then I took maybe six months off to write and record a solo record. Mm-hmm. And then went back out on tour again. So because you loved it, uh, yeah. So <laughs> never stopped. Yes. And and so, what was that discussion like when you guys were talking about getting back together? Well, John got married, and then we were all together at his wedding, and then we started playing. And we're like, okay, let's get back together. <laughs> it's really like cliche, you know what I mean? Like what? something you'd see in a movie. <laughs> Hey, there's a reason there are scenes like that in a movie, though, because they they happen in real life. It do. <laughs> What's the reaction like from like to see the fans that you've probably? I mean, you've probably grown up with these fans over the years. Yes. What's that like? What do you mean like? My interaction with folks? Yeah, I mean, what's it like to know that you've had fans that have just really stuck with you for all these oh, years? There, there's sometimes, especially when we're doing the urge shows, we get back together. Like, we sold out the pageant in November. Right. And then you just have to step back and you go, wow, we're pretty lucky. Because not everyone can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, bands that maybe even have enjoyed a little bit more uh, mainstream success still can't do the numbers 
in their area. You know what I mean? As far as like fans go, sure. and we have that, and we still do. So we're pretty pretty lucky with that. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. What? How have you seen the music scene here in St. Louis grow and change over these years? Uh, I mean, there's still plenty of like great original bands coming up. I've seen more and more of them start getting into vans and start touring which is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing a little bit more of that mentality happen around here, which is great. Um, Why do you think there wasn't a lot of that for a while? For, I would say, like coming up in the 80s and 90s, the cover band scene was like so huge mm-hmm. that all the like really good musicians around here were just doing that because there was money in it. Mm-hmm. And it was like you could get regular gigs. Um, there was some of us who didn't want to do that and, we knew the only way to kind of grow is to get out of here and start hitting other cities in the area. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing more and more of the original bands getting out, which is pretty cool. Yeah. They're starting to figure that out. And then, um, I don't know. What's your advice for some of those younger bands that are just getting started? Like treat your band like a business, no doubt. Like watch your money. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just blow it when you go out on the road. Try to budget a little bit so you can have a little bit when you get back and Mainly, you can put something back in the bank and so you can go back on the road again because that's the most important thing is to get out there and play for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just in terms of the music here in St. Louis, um, how do you, how are we doing, do you think, in terms of, of venues? I mean, we have a ton of great music venues. But sure. do you think, I mean, how do you think that's going in St. Louis? Right now, it's going great. So if you look at just the U-City Loop, mm-hmm. we have three major venues. I and mean, we have the pageant. Delmore Hall, and we have the Duck Room. Mm-hmm. So just right there, we have three b- pretty good-sized venues that we can book any major touring act in. And then we have the Fox, and then we have, you know, the arenas and all that stuff. And then, what is it, down on Manchester yeah. in the Grove, you've got two pretty good-sized venues down there. So, I mean, we got a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're good. <laughs> Do you ever feel like St. Louis doesn't get recognized enough for its music scene and the music venues that we do have here? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I think when I was younger, I felt that way. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, you know, um, the one thing we do produce here is amazing musicians. We produce a crap ton of awesome players. Um, so if you go out, pretty much you go out to see a decent, you know, a decent band at a venue, even if it's a cover band, they're all going to be pretty good players, you mm-hmm. know? So I don't know. We, we might not get the recognition industry wise because, Traditionally, we didn't have record labels here. Mm. You know, all the record labels were on the coast or in Nashville or yeah. Memphis. So you didn't really, yeah, we didn't we didn't see a lot of industry action here. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned you used to think that. I, I felt like back in high school and like before I went out to L.A. for college that I also felt like I was like, we never get any great bands here. Mm-hmm. Like, they're always skipping our city. And it was so yeah. fun to go out to L.A. But sure. now, I mean... I mean, you can go see a show every night of the week almost here in St. There's Louis. a lot more shows coming, yeah. So um, I, I don't know if it's still in play or not, but there used to be a, a pretty nasty tax that some of the bands, bigger ones, didn't want to pay. Interesting. When they came through the area. And then also the promoters look at population. Mm-hmm. So if you're Chicago, St. Louis, you obviously have a larger population in Chicago, and you can't do both because they're too close together. Oh, yeah. So the promoter like, might... We learned about that during our Lufus mm-hmm. podcast. promoter about, might pick Chicago over St. Louis because... Is that similar why we see some things in Kansas City and not here? Correct. 
So you like with uh, with Live Nation? I know with with Urge, I, I think we have a two hundred mile radius, mm-hmm. um, six months. So so you can't do too many shows in in the area. So bands will pick the the place with the most people, basically. Which which makes sense. Yes, <laughs> more people, more tickets. <laughs> more tickets, right? Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite place that you've played at? Um. The Fox Theater. Have you been to Fox in Boulder, Colorado? No. It's one of my favorite places to be at. It's where they shot that Dave Matthews video, um, What Would You Say? But it's ah. just a real cool little theater. Um, it's got a cool vibe. It sounds amazing. Wow. It's in Boulder. Well, very cool. And then the other, the other cool place is, uh, is the pageant. I mean, it has everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has everything. And it, I think it's like those the perfect venue to see a show at too because oh, it feels so intimate. Yeah, but it's still big enough. Yeah. I mean, it just to me is the perfect size. They took because House of Blues, like when you go to House of Blues, there's a ton of them all over the country. Um, the whole deal with them is there. It's they service the bands really well, mm-hmm. so when you come in, you feel like you're at home. And I think the pageant took that whole vibe and put it right here, but made it big enough to where you could do some of the bigger shows. Mm-hmm. So when you're a band. You're playing there, you feel like you're at home. It's real cool. I mean, I imagine that's important when you're, because if you're on the road so much, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, it can get a yeah. little tiring and oh, yeah. to feel that home vibe. Got showers. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked me, they were building a venue. And they're like, what is the one thing that every band really would like to have? I'm like, a shower. <laughs> a shower and a usable bathroom. So yeah, so we're not that picky. There you go. That really doesn't take all that much to please you guys. Just a place to wash up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when we're talking about kind of circling back here to the hot dogs, um, I mean, one thing I do think that we have a little bit of a lack of still in St. Louis is that late night food options post shows. Um, Where do you see some spots that are catering to that need here in St. Louis? I don't know if it's still happening or not, but I thought like Washington area, mm-hmm. there was some street vendors down there doing their thing. Um, I don't, I know in Manchester, like in the Grove, there's a lot of three o'clock bars, but I think there's there's like sandwich venues, gramophone does gramophone. sandwiches till two. Yeah. So just, I think they figured out that they can key. just <laughs> stay open and, you know, serve food mm-hmm. late inside. Do you think that's something that we sh- could do better here in St. Louis? Or know. is it hard? I mean, you maybe know as it a is, business. It's not easy, yep. And it's hit and miss. Um, yeah, if we if we had, like the ballpark would be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, ballpark village, because it's steady. There's people there, but they don't want the vendors. I mean, they don't want the competition, by yeah. basically. So. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. How late are you guys open here at this Tower Grove location? Oh, uh, 11. We 11, okay. Because you guys are right next to TikTok. Yeah. So what's the... And did I read right that they kind of approached you to come down here? Yeah. they uh, Steve Smith, who owns the Royale, mm-hmm. uh, and Thomas Crone uh, was working there, and they're good friends. And they wanted to open the tavern, but the neighborhood said you have to have a food component mm-hmm. to get open. And so they came to me, and the hill was doing, was doing really well. And I said, do you want to open a second location? Well, I wasn't really thinking about it. But let me go take a look. Did that sound overwhelming at first, the, the thoughts of opening up a second location? No, I just was, to me, like, if the number's right, if the rent's right, if there's enough movement in the area, mm-hmm. let me take a look. 
And I did. And there was a, was a lot of excitement about it. This building had been closed for 25 years. Wow. So, and, and Tower Grove East was, was moving on up. So I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. Um, I did a really short, I did a short lease. Um, I did a crowdfunding campaign to get the doors open, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Um, it helped us get a little bit of money to like buy out some, some gear, but really get the word out. Yeah. What was that like to see the community really say, yes, we want to see this? Yeah. That, and that was kind of testing the water and, uh, and people were like, yeah, we want to see it. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I think we, I think we have a good thing going here and, it's a great relationship between them. Um, we kind of have the same mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. When was that? When did you guys open the second location? Uh, 2011. 2011, okay. Yeah. Um, is there ever thoughts of opening up another location? Sure. There is. Um, right now I'm kind of, I'm chilling out. <laughs> I have a preteen, so. So that probably uh, yeah. takes some attention. Yeah, it takes, yeah, take that out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you live in the area. I mean, yeah. what do you love about this part of South City? I can, well, from here, I can get anywhere. Um, there's tons, and I'm just off of South Grand, and so there's so much going on on South Grand, which is killer food-wise and everything else, and I love from here all the way down to the Fox. There's just cool stuff. We're, we're in between kind of the universities, so a lot of kids come from SLU. They'll come up this way. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of student business? Totally, yep. So anytime there's a holiday and there's kids... Off from school, they come through here. So, yeah. yeah. It seems like a good spot. I mean, it's inexpensive. It's mm-hmm. good. It's, yeah. it's a, a spot that students can hit up. The neighborhood over here is still pretty nice and mixed up. It's a good mix between single family and rentals. Mm-hmm. So we, get, we do have a, quite a few students that live in the neighborhood. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, if there was a third location, any part in particular in the city that you think could use um, Something like this? I think we're good in the city. We're covering a lot of area codes being where we're at. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're we're considering St. Louis County, like Creepcore area. There's a lot Core. of movement there. A lot of business. <laughs> so much happening. There's so many like yeah. city businesses that are opening up second locations or other spots over we there. We find ourselves in the area anyway doing catering mm-hmm. and feeding those people anyway. So, um yeah, so it just. Do you guys do a lot of catering? We do a lot, yeah. Really? So I run the catering uh, operation out of the Hill location, but we do a ton, yeah. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> catering, running two spots, being a dad, mm-hmm. you know, still performing. <laughs> when when do you find time to do do things just for you, or is there time? <laughs> really early in the morning. <laughs> Yes, but I get to bed now these days. So, there you, you know, go. I, during the week, I actually get to bed. So, yeah. <laughs> but that early morning time, that's your workout time. That's my workout time, kind of paperwork time, all kinds of, you know, <laughs> little stuff, yeah. You, because you did, you do bodybuilding, I, I saw. Did, yeah. So you, I did, you... I competed last August. Uh, and a couple years before that, I was just like, well, let me just see if I can get into that, t- that type of condition. Mm-hmm. I've always worked out, but I just kind of wanted to go for it and see what would happen. And I did, I, did all right. Yeah, so. <laughs> what was that like? What was that experience like? It was awesome. Um, the whole six months leading up to it was pretty intense with food and exercise <laughs> I'm and guessing no hot dogs? And, yeah, so I had to lay off those for a while, yeah. Um, which is really hard because I'm around it all the time. Right. And, you know, um, <laughs> But that was cool, and then the actual event itself was crazy. And I, you know, I'm used to being on stage, but and I hadn't had the jitters on stage in 
forever, and I was like actually scared as hell. So really, it, it was it was one of those things where I wanted to get myself out of my comfort zone and do something different, and then I had a great time. So that's sweet and sort of like something that's been a constant in your life is kind of putting yourself out there, getting out, I mean, trying new things. I mean, I, I always, I yeah. do find it fascinating still that you were just like, yeah, I'm going to open up a hot dog spot. Yeah. Even if it was just initially a, you know, a stand, but yeah. that was so different from what you had been doing. Sure. To me, like if you get yourself out of that comfort zone, if you have a great idea or something, I mean, once you kind of run up on it and make up your mind, you just have to just do it. Um, kind of put your ass in it. <laughs> no looking back. <laughs> if you kind of, if you put your own self on the line, then you're kind of forced to perform in that way. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it obviously has, has done very well. It works. And seen success. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any recommendations for that entrepreneur out there listening who says, okay, yeah, maybe I'm going to take that dive, take that risk on, on starting something. Do it. Seriously, if, like, do a little homework, of course, you know what I mean? Do some homework, and once, once you make up your mind that so I can actually do this, you have the energy and the resources, do it. You can, you're going to figure stuff out as you go, but that energy is what you need, you know what I mean? That, that initial excitement about it, that's good. Use it. Totally. Whether we're talking food or music, we are always looking for ideas from you, our listeners, on who you want to meet on the podcast. So let us know on social media. You can find me at Alexis Sotos on Twitter or Instagram. You can also, of course, send me an email. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a review, a rating. All of that helps on iTunes. It helps others discover the podcast and, of course, discover our amazing city. This episode was produced and edited by J.J. Bailey.